Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini. My guest this week is my old buddy, John Stites. When I moved to Indianapolis in 2006, it's one of the first guys that I met at, at the, the comedy club. We became fast friends. He's, I always say he's like a white me, and this is an old school conversation, not PC. So if you got PC, please get the hell out of here. This was just a good talk between two old friends, and he has operational comedy, which is for the veterans. It's a nonprofit. And he talks about just getting the big names to do his show and just, he could, you know, he didn't really pay him, but he paid him in stuff greater than money, which is like uh, bottles of liquor or whatever. It's just, it's an old school conversation, man, with a lot of laughs and a lot of great stories. So enjoy my conversation with John Stites. Yeah. A little garage band feel for you, Stites. Yeah. I mean, straight garage band. These guys kick ass. One, two, three. Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini, man. Today, we just get right into it with a dude. When I first moved to Indianapolis, man, I first moved here, I met this guy. And if ever there was a white me, it was this dude right here, man. I, he's got no lie in him. He's straight up, a lot of energy. He's like me, like motorcycles and just fucking just act this fast, fast, fast. And this is, how, this is how I love this dude, right? So he was late for the, for the party. He's late for the party. We, you, you normally do this at noon Eastern. He goes, let's do it at 10 o'clock LA time, which is 1 o'clock here. I said, no problem. So it's like 1.30. I'm like, man, where the fuck is he? He's late. We finally get on. He goes, his first words were, hey, man, my bad, my bad, my bad. He goes, my bad. And then he goes, man, I drank last night. And I just, and I go, bam, that's him. That's him. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome John Stites to the party. What's up, Stites? First of all, let's get, let's get the story straight. I did not... It was not my idea to do anything before noon, motherfucker. So let's not. I wasn't out there going, hey, can we do it at seven? How about six? You know, I'm a comic. You know how we love to get up early. <laughs> you sent me a time and I was like, all right, motherfucker. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I normally said not. Well, people are usually up by nine. It's, it's the new comedy now. I mean, that's old school comedy where you that's get true. up. That's true. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, you get up. The old school comedy was, people don't know, the old school comedy was, you might get up before noon. If you had morning radio, you'd somehow stamp her up, go do radio, come back and go back to bed, wake up maybe around one or two, get something to eat, get ready for the show. New school, man, you got to yeah. get up, do a TikTok video, do some goofy kind of dance and, and do whatever. So, you know, I thought you were right with the new school, but no, you're still straight old school. You're the only motherfucker I know who could put up 350 in khakis. I've seen your fucking video. <laughs> if you go to, if you go John Stite, that's his, that's his Instagram. He goes, you see him bench pressing 350 pounds in khakis and a regular shirt. What are joggers? Hold up now. They're khaki joggers, but you're right though. You're right. I did get some shit for that. <laughs> so I fucking love you, man. You, hey, you march to your beat of your own drum, bro. That's why I've always loved you. Man, honestly, one of the greatest times ever. And it was, and it was, it's made me nothing to you guys, but. I'm doing a cruise outside of uh, outside of LA, Long Beach. I'm doing a cruise in Long Beach. For some reason, I don't know why, you contacted me. You go, hey man, listen, you know, I I, I didn't fly out till the the, the I had the, uh, the, uh, the 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 red eye. Had the red eye. And you say, hey man, why don't you come hang out? Blah blah. blah. I said okay, and I met you on the corner of La Brea, and uh, it wasn't Sunset, but it was yeah, the, it was yeah, La Brea and Sunset, and we went to the Starbucks and we just kicked it, and dude. It was the greatest conference. It was like maybe an hour, maybe, and we just talked. But it was so fucking dope. I mean, that's where I'm at in my life. I just like to kick it, and, and it was just a nice conversation. And you were just being honest. You're like, you know, I tried to take in this acting class. I mean, academy. You go, eh, it wasn't for me. And we talked about this and that, and it was just 
Fuck, dude. That was one of the greatest conversations ever, man. I mean that from the bottom of my heart, bro. Do you know, um, speaking of the acting, do you know Janelle James? Yeah. Well, you know, she's she's popped out here. She's now, um, she first started off, she got on Seth Meyer. Yeah. I've known her for a minute. So she got on Seth Meyer. Then she was a writer for Black Monday. Yeah. And now she's the principal on that hit show, Ava, uh, Abbott Elementary. Dude, I want to be on that show so fucking bad. Dude, it's, it's, it's fucking good, man. It ain't necessarily my cup of tea, but it's funny. Yeah. Anyway, I met her at Long Beach right before I started that. We were out smoking a joint before we were doing a, a shitty set at this place, this burlesque joint. And she's like, she's like, so what you doing out here? And I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to do acting. And she was like, you ain't going to like that shit. And I go, what? I go, you don't even fucking know me. She goes, you ain't gonna like that shit. You're a comic. You ain't trying to be. No, it was it was for uh, improv because okay. I went to the Groundlings. I did the Groundlings for. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, and she was like, she's like, you ain't gonna like all that positive sunshine, <laughs> clappy clappy bullshit. I was like, you don't even fucking know me. I can do lots of things outside of my comfort zone. And ten minutes into it, I was like, these ain't my people. <laughs> I like them, and they're mad talented. But yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could you could do improv. Right. You would kill at improv. No, I don't. No, I suck. You know what's funny? I, I took improv. I took Second City. I took Second City for 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 majors at at the improv. Second City oh, for back in the day. Yeah, it, I mean that was when I was with Judy, and I took Second City for majors. And dude, I hated going to class. I was that bad. I was fucking horrible, dude. It was me. I remember Dwayne Perkins in in class with me. And we and him did a scene Funny together. Dude. Yeah, and that was Funny the only dude. that was the only time I was ever to make the teacher laugh because the, the scenario was, okay, you're in Russia and you and you see another American. And my first line was, man, so good to see another brother here. And the, <laughs> the, the dude fucking lost it. And that, and that was the only time I had a good acting class. I mean, a good improv class. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. Uh, I'm not very good at it. It turns out um, Janelle was 100 percent right. <laughs> I'm a lone wolf. I don't really like groups and fun and every positivity. I kind of like that dark, seedy, insidious nature of stand-up, oh, which, which is what drew me to it in the first place. Trust me, I know, dude. Trust me. I, I, I know you for a minute, and that's all. You know, I, if I was cast in a movie where a dude was going to fucking blow up or, or storm the Capitol, if people didn't know you, i go, this dude right here stormed the Capitol. I could dude, see that's, that's you. Dude, I did a... So, uh, I did a, a big Operation Comedy show at the Will Turn, yeah. and it was it was me, um, and th th this isn't name dropping. These are just the guys that work with on, ben on the benefits. They're really generous with their time. That's how I know them. But yeah. it was uh, Jeff Ross, the great late great Bob Saget, yeah. Bill Burr, yeah. and um, and John Mayer was going to close out the show. So Jeff Ross and I did radio, and he's like, I was talking about John Mayer, and he's like, man, don't tell me you listen to John Mayer. And I was like, well, I'm a deadhead. And he just looks at me and he was like, you should have January 6th tattooed on your fucking forehead. You ain't no deadhead. And I was like, I love the grateful day. I used to have hair, motherfucker. Just because I'm follically challenged don't mean I don't like fucking, you know, scarlet begonias. Damn. <laughs> but that's the truth, though. If people don't know you, look at, and that's why you never judge a book by its cover. Because if you look at Stites and you know everything, man, you're like, ah, oh, this dude right here, he's one of them January Sixers. But man, and, and being from Indiana too, but then you get to know you, man, there's no more person who's more honest, more just tells you the truth, whether you like it or not, but just still cool at the same time, which is a, a, a nice balancing act. And cool at the same time, it tells you about yourself to yourself 
So you know there's no middle ground. There's no, you know, like, hmm. I mean, you know how you stand with him. And then you're, you're cool as fuck, bro. I mean, you even had posts, even before it was popular, you had posts telling people, telling white people, hey, listen, listen, uh, when black people meet the police, it's a whole different, uh, it's a whole different um, uh, element. There. Because you, I remember you got pulled over. Tell me the truth. You got pulled over in L.A. You had no license. You were drinking. Oh, yeah. You were drinking. And you had a, a, a firearm in the front seat with no no license, no no identification. The cop was like, ah, you're good. Well, it was, I wasn't, I wasn't actively drinking, but I had two empty wine bottles in the back, a firearm, no shirt. I was wearing this hat, which has a fucking AR-15 on the front. And the dude just, and I was out with a pit bull with no leash. And the guy just walks up and I've literally pulled out my license and my license says veteran across the front of it. He yeah. just goes, oh, okay, uh, get the fuck out of here, man. You know, you're not supposed to be here. And then laughed and let me go. And I was like, wow, that's. I'm not a big white privilege dude, but I'm pretty sure that's what that means. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's like, what I love about you, bro. You fucking suck. God damn it. Well, see, a lot of people don't know this, but I'm not from Indiana. I grew up in D I grew up in DC. Oh, well, there, then that's where the flavor comes from. Yes. So my, my dad is from Indianapolis and he moved me back to Indiana back to Indianapolis my freshman year of high school. But I grew up in D.C., so uh, that ex th that probably clears up a lot of why I am the way I am. You grew up in the hood and came back, and then you had to go. You went back. You went from sugar to shit, basically. Mm. You had all this flavor, and then you moved back to white-ass Indiana. Well, well here, here's the irony, is that I talk all that shit back when the, I, I needed cred. But the truth is, in D.C., I lived among very wealthy people in the suburbs. <laughs> You're fake. You fake ass. Fake as fuck. Depending <laughs> on what you need me to be. And then I moved back to the east side of Indianapolis, which is ghetto as fuck. And I'm like, yo, my sister and I were like, where are the cornfields at? My dad's like, my dad is no shit from Harville. Damn. Damn. That's where my dad, that's where my dad is from. So we got a, we got the nicest house in the hood, but we were still in the hood because my dad wanted to be back, quote unquote, among his people. So, nice house in the hood in Hallville, that means y'all had a screen door? Well, <laughs> yes. Yes. I got a, I got another good story for you, man. So, um, um, I've gotten to know, and, and again, man, these are not name drops. These are just people I've worked with on Operation Comedy Shows. Right. You know, Donnell Rawlings was in the Air Force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. Yeah. So, he's a vet. So, I was doing this show every year. I did it one year with Vince Morris, who fucking crushed. We would go to the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. Yeah, we, we just worked together last week, me and Vince. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. I love Vince. Yeah. Great, great, funny motherfucker. Yes. And so I asked Donnell Rawlings to do it. He's like, yeah, sure, dude, I'll do it because I'll be in New York. That's great. So he's from real D.C. Yeah. So I always just say I'm from D.C. I'm really not. I'm from Northern <laughs> Virginia. I'm from the fucking birds. All right? So we're driving. So I don't really know him at this point, but I go, I pick him up from Dulles. We're driving around. We go, we get a drink. And I say, hey, man, we're, um, you know, we're going to head to Annapolis, but I'm going to drive through my old neighborhood real quick. I just want to see uh, my old friend that I grew up with still lives there. I'm just going to highlight him real quick. He's like, all right, man, that's cool. So we're driving through. Now, see, the thing about, about Alexandria yeah. is we use all this is pre-internet. You know, I always say there's like there's a pre-internet pre world and a post-internet world where you weren't aware of certain things. Yes. Whether it's Confederate flag, you just weren't aware of shit. True. So they use all these words like historic and all that, but it's all civil war in, yeah. in Alexandria. It's Mount Vernon. It's, you know, so anyway, 
there's cobblestone streets and shit and we're, we're driving through and we're going up this cobblestone street and Donna Rawlings goes, I, I, we, we stopped at this, it was called Fort Willard, was mm-hmm. this park in my neighborhood with a big Civil War cannon and shit. We yeah. drive by it and I just wanted to take a quick picture. And he goes, you know some man, I gotta tell you, dude, uh, I, I, I really didn't think you grew up here. Uh, this is not DC, motherfucker. And I was like, I know, I know. And he goes, man, this place slave you than a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd never looked at it that way, but fucking stirred up like, this whole place, this whole motherfucker was built on cotton. Yes. Yeah, because I mean, no because you guys don't, you guys don't realize it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a different perspective. I mean, it's not bad, but he's just pointing out because you just don't realize it. I mean, yeah, that's how it is. And I don't get mad because it's not like he asked me to, you know, as a result to pay him five hundred dollars. It was just, <laughs> hey man, maybe, maybe you could acknowledge. <laughs> But this, you know, there's some Django sweat on this motherfucker, and that's how you guys get down. Be like, all right, all right, all right. Fair enough, dude. <laughs> Man, I, like, when did you? Okay, now you were in the army, right? You were in the army, yes. right? Okay, yeah. Because I remember you in your act to talk about, but you talked about you were kind of pissy that you missed the combat years because you came in when Clinton was there. Yeah. Well, I okay. So obviously, you know, there's hyperbole in your act. Um, when I was 18, you know, you think war is cool when you're a kid. So, yeah, back then I was bummed out because during the Clinton years, there, there, there were no wars. So the, I, and I joined the infantry. So, you know, I, I used to be a, a college, I used to be a Spanish professor. Right. And both my parents were language teachers. So when I went to the Army, I took their what's called the D-Lab, which is the Defensive Language Aptitude Battery, which is a test that gauges how well you can acquire secondary languages. Yeah. And I scored off the charts. And they were like, we'll send you to Monterey to language school, dude. To the one of the greatest language academies in the in the world, yeah. and I passed that shit up to join the infantry because I wanted to go to war, and there were no wars. Now, it, with the hindsight of being an adult, not a day goes by that I am, am anything other than thrilled. I never had to see that bullshit, right? Because you know, as you well know, man, the more I, I hang out with, because most of my friends out here are vets from I met through my American Legion. Almost all of them been to combat, and it's fucking hell, man. So I got no, 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 no use. For any of that bullshit, I want to fucking you know smoke a dupe, drink a cabernet, maybe meet a girl or two, and just you know be happy and peaceful, man. I ain't got no use. But yeah, I was in I was in the peacetime infantry. Nice man, nice. And where were you stationed at? Where were you stationed at? Fort Hood, Texas. Oh shit, that's where my that's my, my relatives are there. My 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 fact, my, my uncle is there. I went to go see him back in April, and he let me. Uh, we we hung out. It was he married a German wife, and we he has about five kids, and we hung out. With, at a TJ Fridays, because that's how we get down. Cause I'm originally from Oklahoma, so TJ Fridays is like fucking Ruth Chris does. So we went to Ruth Chris. I mean, so we went to TJ Fridays, and we just fucking hung out, and we just shot the shit. Hey, man, I got the Oklahoma in me. That's why Indiana was easy to move to. Well, let me ask you, but let, this is an honest question, man. Do you know, because German women, specifically when it comes to black servicemen, German women like brothers. Dude, my dad almost my dad almost What's got some German loving. Hey, well, it go with dub because they're around no friends. All those German dudes, the you know, the old blonde haired, blue eyed, and then here comes the flavor walking through the door. Yeah, but, it's, but it's 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 specifically German broads more than any other. Like they actually dig, dig, dig. You know, that's what's so brilliant now about like so many movies. That's what's so brilliant about Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Is that, you know, I, I just thought it was funny when he, you know, pulls out his Wiener schnitzel and, you know, you know, 
two is my limit on schnitz and groovings and all that shit. It's because I didn't know about the history of German chicks and black dudes. So it's even funnier now yeah. as an adult to watch that shit. Dude, my uncle went over there and he was like, he, you know, he's from Oklahoma at the ridge. And he went over and he goes, man, I remember him. He, he told my dad, he goes, and he was growing, you know, back in high school, invested in Oklahoma back in the 70s. Like, we, we didn't integrate till 72. So there was, you know, there were some problems in high school. So I remember he, he told my dad, he goes, I hate white people. And he goes over to the, to the uh, military, comes out with a German wife. And my dad goes, I thought you said you hated white people. And my, and my, and my uncle goes, she's not white, she's German. <laughs> And, and they've been married for, I think, 40 years, something like that, man. Yeah, he's happy. I mean, honestly, I would love to have a German wife. I mean, because you know what? They're good old school. That old school mentality of, like, letting a man be a man. They cook for you, and, and they, you know, they, they, they got that good, that mental. Like, listen, here's what we need to do. And they break it down, but they still let you be a man. Come on, man. Give me an old listen, school listen, German I'll keep it. I think we keep it 100 on here. Yeah. It's the same reason I, I've dated an Asian chick. And it's not that they're docile. It's not that I can dominate them. It's that they will never embarrass you in public. And that women don't realize that I'm all about, hey, I'm all about empowerment. I'm all about, you know, Dang. get your, but man, embarrassing in public is the worst shit because women know, and it's, and this is not bad. They know you can't like, you know, oh, you just, you yeah. got to take that. You got to, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just like my dog. My dog recently learned. I've had my pit bull for 12 years. Roscoe. Uh, Roscoe, about three years ago, this motherfucker figured out like, oh, he won't get on me around girls. So we're in Starbucks. This is a true story. So I go, I, dude, I'm, we're standing in line. I have his collar on him. I just go to nudge. Like, I wanted to get him to move a little bit. So mm -hmm. I just nudged him with his collar. And he goes, and I'm going to tell you right now, dog. I don't know if you know about L.A., you're better off wearing a shirt that says, I love Al-Qaeda. hurting <laughs> dogs out here, man. And everyone looks at me like, oh, yeah, he looks like the type. Which I do, but that ain't the fucking point. And now the irony is, now I do want to hit him. Now I'm, now I'm angry. And he knows it. He's looking at me like, and he's on his back and shit. And I'm like, you no good motherfucker. You trifling, dirty, stank-ass motherfucker. God damn. But yeah, man, it's, you know... Them, them European broads a little less likely to, you know, act the fool. If, if I did get married, man, I mean, that's, oh, I, I, didn't even, I didn't even say that word. But if I ever, 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 yeah, man, I would like to, uh, yeah. I was hollering at a German chick for a while, but I don't know what happened. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I think at this point in my life, I mean, why? You know what I mean? I'm, I like the independence. I like to just come and go as I please. You're kind of like me in a way. That's why I say you're the white me. You're like me. We got motorcycles. Yeah. You know, we, we both kind of have a dog, although it's my roommate's dog. We got a, I got a pet bull, you know, the same way. I mean, so it's like, in a way, we're kind of like the same. We like, we like our independence. We do comedy. Fuck it. Why ruin that shit? I know, man. You're stuck. Stuck. He'll come out. He'll come out. Oh, yeah, you're good now. You're good now. You're good now. You're also the only brother I've ever met that likes Tool, man. Ma, dude, when you posted that Tool shit, dude, Tool motherfucker, man. I mean, honestly, there was a time when all I was listening to at, at the gym was Tool. And when, that, yes. when the, new, the latest one came out, Tempest. Oh, yes. My. yes, yes, when, yes. When Tempest came out, I literally would ride my bike from, from the gym to home and... Usually it's four songs, but with Tempest, it made it two and a half, I think. Right, because it's they, it, it's a 14-minute symphonic opus of just... Dude, I just saw them uh, two weeks ago in Anaheim. 
I think it was like the 18th tool show I've been to. They are fucking, they're, they're, there's nobody in my view, even in their, even in their ballpark. Even in Macasa. I would, but I would say they're in a combination of, hear me out, they're in a way, a combination of iron, a modern day Iron Maiden mixed in with Rush in the sense of, their lyrics are so fucking dope, but and they're also deeper than you think they are. You know what I mean? But they still fucking rock on the left. I can't believe you know that. Nobody, even even a lot of hardcore Tool fans, don't get that. You're right. It's Rush, Rush. I was I, and Iron Maiden. I would have said Metallica, but the same thing. They're just a hard Rush with Pink Floyd sprinkled in, like that degree of depth of musicianship. Yeah, man, but you can't really fuck with Maiden, but yeah, because I, I I wouldn't put Metallic in there, but it's just that because I remember putting Iron Maiden on, you know, during that '80s period when I grew up, you know, you, you're rocking, and everybody kind of has that. You know, I, I still love Dawkins, and I have, and I and I unapologetically say Dawkins was my fucking favorite during that time period. Dawkins, Halen, uh, uh, Skid Row, I love that sound, and then you put fucking. Uh, Iron Maiden on and go, whoa, this is different. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is, and it's a good different, but th just their, their subject matter from the trooper to, uh, yes, you know, yes. the, the flight of Icarus, all that shit, you know, uh, you're going, whoa. I mean, this is deep, and the, and the playing was so layered. You have Steve, you know, Steve, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the bassist. Um, anyway, him, the bassist, what's his name? The bassist for Iron Maiden. I don't know, man. But but you had him on bass, and then you had Dickinson, and then you, you know, you had Murray on the guitar, Dave Murray on the guitar. You go, these motherfuckers are different and they're deep, you know, but they still know how to rock. These trooper, trooper still kicks you in the ass. You put trooper on, and you go, whoa, and you're ready yeah, to that baseline, that, that baseline's off the fucking charts, it, man. That is a start. That is a start of a street fight. That bum 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 bum, and you just, I mean, it, it's go time. Ding, I mean, ding 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 ding. If, yeah. if you're gonna work out, if you're gonna work out, the best music to work out too. Metallica, ACDC, and Ozzy Osbourne. But for me, I throw in Black Label Society. Bro, you can't fuck with a B. Oh, little Zach Wilde. Dude, BLM. Yes. Mother yes. Hey, if BLM comes on and I'm riding my motorcycle, dude, I'm fucking Hell's Angel. I mean, I really am. I'm fucking Hell's Angel. What? I was, I was listening to uh, uh, Josh Homey of the, the Queens of the Stone Age. I was listening to him on a podcast. And because uh, I got to, dude, I put like, three grand into the stereo on my Harley. It's fucking the most obnoxious. I love it. It's, I mean, three block, like dude, black dudes pull up the stoplights like, God damn, man, that's a, that's a bit much, bro. Like it's crazy loud. That's a bit and he was, he, he was talking about songs that- I never heard a black dude go, that's a bit much. I've never heard. Exactly, like Jesus Christ, dude, God damn. Um, but he was talking about songs you rediscover listening to on a motorcycle. Yeah. And he was talking about Judas Priest. Yes. And for me, it was um, Ozzy. And I, I, I love Ozzy. I always have. But like you and I, we're about six years apart, I think, in terms of age. And that six years, see, you were listening to the, the music that my buddy's older brothers were listening to. Yeah. So that generational gap, Ozzy and, and, and Iron Maiden. But man, I got deep, deep, deep back into Randy Rhodes Fuck about yeah. three years ago. Yeah. And, and I, I, I saw they finally put him in the Hall of Fame. It's about fucking time. No shit, man. No shit. Let me tell you something, man. Okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna a road trip it or whatever, I mean just on a nice little ride, 
Dude, put in Gypsy Biker by Bruce Springsteen, and I promise you that's the greatest road song ever on a motorcycle. I've never heard that. Hold on. Dude, it it screams motorcycle. I mean, dude, put in Gypsy Biker on by Bruce Springsteen, and motherfucker, you text me and go, BT, I don't know why I doubted you. I guarantee you will. That's the greatest road song on a motorcycle. Guarantee you. If you're highway traveling, that's it. Now, if you're in town, if you're in town, put on Motorhead's Brotherhood of Man. Yes. Motherfucker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. dude, you know. I listen, I, I, I fuck with, uh, excuse me, Bark at the Moon. That double solo that Randy Rhodes does at the end of that, I mean, yeah. Bark, that's, pro- that, that's probably my favorite Ozzy song. About, there's something about that particular one, man. That really? Just, oh, you do. He, yeah, man. Because it's almost like Sultan's a swing in as much as yes. he does he does the penultimate uh guitar solo and you think that's the end yeah and then he stretches it out he's like no no no, i got a little something more for that ass and it just i mean i, I got goosebumps just talking about it it's fucking gnarly man oh dude i am funny you mentioned dire straits man i think for me when it comes to uh, when i comes to like if i'm going to work out and you're like saying maybe like me comes to working out if i'm walking out to the workout floor you know i got to get pumped up for it but you put on flying high again as you're, oh. getting, as you're getting ready to fucking oh. lift. Dude, I mean, you feel like you're walking out in the UFC. They're just, nah, 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 nah. oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't beat that shit, bro. You can't beat that shit. That's why we always... How do you keep... How do you, how do you stay in the shape that you're in? I'm, I'm a fat motherfucker now in my gut. Man, but you, you, know, you, you, you ain't a fat motherfucker, man. In Come my on, gut man. I am. But I mean, honestly, do you know what it is? And it, well, you know me, so you know how much of a dork I am. People don't know how people don't know who don't know me know me don't know. But I literally, mentally think that I'm, I'm a professional athlete. So that makes me work out. I mean, I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. That's the only thing that gets me through life. Because we we all know at a certain age, man, it's just hard to really enjoy life the way we used to. You know, some people, some people, you know, kind of get burnt out. At a certain age, or just go, okay, I'm tired of this, I'm to start a family, whatever. But at a certain point, it's not as much fun as it used to be. So you gotta mind, no! you, you gotta mind fuck yourself. And I don't, yes. you know, you know what I mean? I don't drink, I still don't do drugs. I mean, you know, a little bit. I drink pussy shit, but for the most part, I don't drink, no drugs. So I gotta mind fuck my way through this thing called life. And me, I always think of a professional athlete. So if I'm in it, so on my days, I do a podcast, especially if I have like, I, I did Kenny Monday, you know, he's a wrestler, and I'm a wrestler. So I did him, I interviewed him twice. And every time I do that, my mental is so much higher because I know I'm talking to a dude who fucking, you know, won a gold medal in fucking wrestling, in wrestling. He had to wrestle Russians. He had a, he had a broken elbow and he still got a silver medal. He didn't get a point scored against him until, until the final match, you know, with a, with a broken elbow. So it makes my mental game that much more. So mentally, I think I'm a, a professional athlete when I do that. And that's why I do that. It's just a repetitive. I got to do this. I got to do that. So when I go to the gym or every day I'm doing something, I think I'm a professional athlete. And that's what that's what gets me uh, gets me through it. Because if, if not, then I'd be a fat motherfucker with no goals and just like eh, life is over. But I, I that's how I got to do it. And speaking of wrestling, man, I, I, I'm really afraid to no know, man. But if I see a motherfucker with a cauliflower ear, <laughs> I'm talking shit while I'm moonwalking. You know what I'm saying? Like, hold me back. No, hold, dude, hold me back, please. I ain't. Because <laughs> I got about eight seconds to knock this dude out. If we go on the ground, it's no. over. Hey, speaking, it's of, over, dude. speaking of getting knocked out, please, please tell me the story of you when you boxed against that dude in Kentucky and you got knocked out. The, the black dude you said. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It was at a, uh, it was at an old, so I went to, so 
this is actually fairly good. So when I was young, I was, I didn't know how to fight. I had a lot of big friends. So everyone assumed I was tough. Yeah. But I was like, you know, like, no, I didn't know how to channel the rage. And then I went to Xavier in in Cincinnati and a guy, there was an old guy named Raleigh Schwartz. Yeah. Who was the, uh, he was the assistant manager on that legendary 76 Olympic team with Spinks and Hagler and all wow. those guys. Wow. Yeah. His name's Raleigh Schwartz. He okay. ran the boxing team at Xavier and he taught me how to box. Uh-huh. And the minute the, I'm one of the greatest things in my life, one of the things that changed my life more than anything, and you know, I'm not a big Joe Lostein, you know, every, every time stop whining motherfucker. Yeah. Um, that's my, that's my dog, not my girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> um, just to be clear when I, put my hand back um but once I learned how to fight and it 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 completely changed my life so I was the only freshman who made the varsity team because I could always I was always very strong and had a lot of anger because of my you know the kind of fucked up house I grew up in yeah so I started feeling confident man and I the first fight I had was down in Lexington and that's where my mom's from my mom's from well she's from about two hours east but my mom's whole, the whole Kentucky side came out for this fight, man. And it was at this old uh, horse track. And it was, it, it was, I was fighting a guy who was a senior because I, I made the varsity team. So I was fighting all seniors. Yeah. This dude, do you remember in Mike Tyson's punch out? You remember that? Remember Sandman? How big that motherfucker was? The black dude? This yeah. fucking dude, I was like, there is no way this guy is fucking 135. What the <laughs> fuck? And I, I I remember saying to Raleigh, I was like, yo, do they have like a like a scale up in this motherfucker or something? Like, there's no way. This dude, three seconds into the fight, he hit me so fucking hard, man. Now, back then, you know, that's amateur. So you're still wearing headgear. Yeah. And you're not trying to knock people out. That's why you've got the white. You're, it's points. Yeah. You know, it's really hard to knock someone out with headgear on and, and the bigger gloves. Right. This dude hit me so hard, man, that I... I spun around like I, I, I was looking at the other side of the ring and I remember seeing my mom like this, <laughs> like home alone. She home alone. So, you. So, so I do this move where I go to duck out and I turn around like this and they give me a standing eight. Cause you know, when, when anytime you do a full spin, apparently no one told me that shit. So I'm, <laughs> So I'm three seconds into the fight. I'm already seeing stars getting a standing eight. I'm like, yo, fuck, man. Yeah, but boxing boxing completely, completely changed my life, man. Changed my confidence level, changed, changed, really did, man. More than any other singular thing except maybe getting into stand-up. Speaking of stand-up, dude, you need to get your... Honestly, I'm going to give you your flowers now because that's the thing now. You know, celebrate people while they're here instead of that bullshit when they're dead. Then you say nice stuff about them. You left here, and I was jealous of you in a way because I moved here in 2006 with my tail tucked between my legs because things weren't working out in L.A. Met you, and then you said, fuck it, I'm going to L.A. And then you started this Operation Comedy. And do you get the big, uh, you get the big hitters. And how, how did that come about? And how did and how did you go about getting the big guys to do your show? Like, tell tell me what Operation Com- everybody else what Operation Comedy is all about. Yeah, I mean, you know, guys our age, we remember Bob Hope and we remember the USO. Yeah. And you know, the the great Bob Hope when he passed, 
for 20 years, the mantle was left blank of the USO. And I'd meet these young veterans and I'd say, what's the USO? And they'd say, that's the place in the airport where I get free internet. Um, and it's nothing that the USO had done. It's just, you know, you know who the fuck can replace Bob Hope? Right. That guy's, you know, he's, he's a fucking giant. Legend. But times had changed, man. And people don't want clean comedy and they don't want all that family friendly shit anymore. You know, it's just, it's a different time. So my goal was I'm going to do an R-rated USO, start a nonprofit, see if I can raise a buck or two. And if I'm being honest, it's because I knew, dude, I'm, I'm a serviceable, good stand-up comic. Yeah, I am nothing super special. And I knew because, you know, that. when you when you met me, I, I had a job in sales making a lot of money. I, you know, what's funny. I never knew what you did. I just know you were cool as fuck. But I didn't know what you did. I did. I was a, I was a national sales manager for a healthcare IT company just down the road from Morty's. That's how I found out about Morty's. I worked right down there. I wore a suit every day and I was a, I was a sales manager and I hated it. You were made a loot. Suit. You were. A yeah, suit. yeah. Yeah, hired, fired, had a team. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was miserable. Good, I mean, but I, I never knew that. I just knew you as a cool motherfucker who was. I mean, I I can kind of sense like you know fakeness, and I go, nah, this dude's real. And I remember that. And we and you were always good to me. And whatever show you put on, man, you made sure I was there. We were tight for a little bit. You know, I went yeah, down to we, Fort, Fort Knox. We went to Fort Knox at that show down there. Dude, the only reason you and I quit hanging out is because I moved. I always thought you were the fucking coolest shit, man. Yeah. Yeah, man, we, so we were good. When, when, when the whole thing with Operation Comedy, it started and I started doing it in the, in, in the Midwest. And then I moved out to L.A., didn't know anybody. So I just called up the improv, the Hollywood improv. And I said, hey, you know, I, I didn't know anything about L.A. I didn't have any connections, but I had a few from all those years on the road. Mm -hmm. I knew Guy Torrey. Right. Um, you know, I knew April Macy. I knew just enough people that knew I was an okay guy that I could call him up and go, Hey, I'm doing Tuesdays and blah, blah, blah. So I did that for about a year and it was going well. Um, but the money situation wasn't fantastic. And then what really changed my life was the, I talked to the comedy store. Mm -hmm. So this is back in 2014 or 15, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. And this is right before the massive renaissance at the comedy store. It was still dark during the week. The main room, which seats 400, was still dark during the week. Wow. So they said, look, nobody can pack this motherfucker on Tuesdays. Can you, if you want to do a show here, we will let you keep 100% of the door if you can pack this place out. And I was like, damn. Bet. So Joe Rogan, and again, man, these aren't, like, I'm, I'm not friends with him. He probably doesn't even know who the fuck I am. Right. But he was doing this bit about Marines. Mm -hmm. I saw him at the Hollywood Improv one night and I just walked up to him and I was like, hey man, have you ever done that bit about Marines in front of a bunch of Marines? And he goes, I don't do military bases. <clears throat> he goes, I, now I'll never forget him saying this. He goes, uh, I don't mind working for free, but I ain't gonna work for free and be told what the fuck to say. And I was like, exactly. I said, what if I could get 400 Marines to the comedy store? Would you want to do a set? And he just goes, sure. So the first show we ever did, I had Joe Rogan and I brought 400 Marines into that place like a bunch of fucking vandals and Mongols and they drank that motherfucker dry. God, nice. They came in and you know, vets, they're, they're a perfect, we're a perfect comedy crowd because we're loud, we drink, we're never offended. Yes. We police we police our own, so if somebody acts the fool, yeah. they get shut down by the crowd before a comic even has a chance. Yeah. 
So that's how it started. And then I got to know him a little bit. And then I started doing every Tuesday and operation. It started taking off and taking off. Then I realized, like, I started thinking to myself, like, you know, the old, what do you get for the guy who has everything? Right. So then I got to know Bill Burr and working with him. And I thought, man, these guys are fucking millionaires. Like, what can I get them? And I thought, you know, money doesn't matter that much to them. I mean, it kind of does, but right. excuse me. And I started realizing, like, I'll bet you money that even though these guys have a lot of cash, I'll bet their women don't just allow them to go act a fool with their money. They're not allowed to buy a two or you know two thousand dollar bottle of booze. Yeah. So I started rewarding these guys with these crazy bottles of alcohol. Like, I remember getting Bill Burr a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle for a show once for like a fifteen minute set, and he was like, "Dude, what the? F ah, you froze, you froze, you froze, you froze." That's what I. Okay, oh, you get, no, you can not, you can not, you can not, you can not. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, it says my internet internet connection is unstable. Now well, join. Join the club, my fucker. <laughs> um, and so I got him a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle, man. And he was just like, dude, thanks. And I was like, I, thank you for doing the show, man. And then, you know, if you stay in a place long enough and people get to know that your shows are going to be good, they're going to have fun, you're a legit, um, you know, right. good guy. and Or not even a good guy, but you're good at organizing a show. Yeah. Um, that's just how it started working. I started working with Burr, then I got to know Saget, Kevin Nealon. I got to know all these guys through the comedy store. Um, and then, so my American Legion in Hollywood is one of the five coolest places I've ever seen in my life. That's no exaggeration. I've traveled all over the world. It's a basically a giant bomb shelter with a movie theater, an art deco bar. It was built by the World War I guys. They have a 500-seat theater in this place. Oh, my God. And then they did a $6 million renovation and turned it, put $2 million of it into the theater and turned it into like an IMAX top, top. It's one of the nicest movie theaters in the country. And they said, hey, if you want to do shows here, you can do shows here. And so I moved from the Comedy Store to the American Legion and that was blowing people's doors off. We were just having incredible, incre and that was the show that I did where I brought in the Eagles of Death Metal. Oh, fuck yeah. That's where I had, it was me, Bird, Jeff Ross, Adam Carolla, Bob Saget, and then I had the fucking Eagles of Death Metal close the show in the VIP. It was, those, dude, that guy, Jesse Hughes, the lead sing. He is one of the like he is an you would love him, dude, because he is an old school 70s throwback, a real front man. Fuck yeah. Like, like the, in, 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 in a sense of David Lee Roth and and and, yes, and Robert yes. Plant and Robert yes. Plant. Yep, Steve Tyler, Steven Tyler, like that degree. and Queen and, and Freddie fucking Mercury, bro. Well, let's get I'm I'm not gonna go there because ain't nobody like Freddie Mercury, man. Yeah. That guy was Fuck. yeah. You have you seen that that video of that live aid performance that guy does? Bigaro, Bigaro, oh. Bigaro. I mean, everyone talks about you know walk off home runs and murdered and Mike dropped and all that. That show was the minute he got off. That show was over, dude. That that sends right now. Chill. I mean, yes. goosebumps. Have you heard? Have you heard his acoustic version of Under Pressure? The acoustic. Yes. I mean, they, they take yeah. out the music and all you hear is his voice, dude. Mm. He was so, I mean, he got his flowers, don't get me wrong, but he was underrated while he was being, uh, while he was being rated. He was yes. underrated. 
Yeah, he's still he's still underrated, man. How's 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 my connection? Am I? No, you good. Uh, no, you good, bro. You good. You good. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you good, dude. Yes, Freddie fucking Murphy. I mean, there's something about. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong. I think the '70s were the most underrated decade there was because women were the most beautiful. The music '70s R&B was the best. Seventies yeah. R and B was the best. You had it wasn't metal; it was hard rock, and yes. country was the best. So that was that was the, yeah. All everything in the seventies was fucking great. And Prince said it best: the drum machine ruined R and B. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, because I, I think if I'm not mistaken, that when Doves Cry is the only song to go number one without having a baseline. No baseline. Yep. No baseline. No baseline. Because what's the guy's name? Niles. Is it Niles Rogers? Niles Rogers. Yes. Yeah. I was listening to him on a podcast because he produced it. And he's like, yeah, it's a drummer. There, there, there's no bass line. I'm yeah. like, holy fuck, that's crazy. Yeah, man. Yeah. I saw a great meme, uh, a wonderful one. And it was like, uh, it said, James Brown legit created six forms of music. Why the fuck I'm still hearing about Paul McCartney? <laughs> <laughs> or like, fuck the Beatles or something. It was like, yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> James, James fucking Brown, man. Dude. That's why I think it's that's why I think it's so funny when they do these biopic pictures yeah. and they're PG thirteen. It's like, dude, Freddie Mercury was a drug fueled ass fucking, which is fine. I mean, I'm saying got no problem with gay people. It's yeah. just he lived out. He he was about that life. But like I said, it was the '70s, bro. That's what the '70s. Everything was excess. I mean, yeah. think what, what Led Zeppelin did. They'd be in fucking jail right now. What the Who did when when yeah. Keith Moon came to L.A. on Sunset Strip, driving yeah. that man. The shit they did in the '70s, it was a legend. That that was when rock and roll was fucking rock and roll, man. That's what we did. We come yeah. in, we fucking rock and roll, and no one tells us what we fuck do. And that's what but, it was. But I will say this. I will say that, to me, the two greatest times for me, for me personally that I dig, it's definitely the, the, the 70s. But, you know, the grunge era, because it felt like, it felt like our music. And you got to remember, at one time, in, in one window, you have... Obviously, the big three. You have Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, yes. Alice in Chains, Alice in fucking Primus, Chains. Tool, fucking uh, Queensryche. Uh, Don't forget Queensryche. But that wasn't grunge, though. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't grunge, though. But Queensryche, that's Seattle sound. And yeah. seven. And don't forget the the, 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 the Pearl Jam ripoff with Seven Mary Three. Remember that? Oh, yeah, 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 remember, yeah. Remember yeah. yeah, exactly. But, but the, those... Go ahead, go ahead. But I still, man, as I've gotten older, I mean, Tool, Soundgarden, and Alice in Chains, I mean, those are those those three fucking bands for me are just because it felt like our mute, like it, it like I remember being in high school, you know, the 70s are awesome, but that's my parents' music. And you ain't gotta say it like that, made me feel all bad. Like like <laughs> like I'm your dad and shit. I mean, you ain't gotta say it like that. I mean, hey, I, well, I, fuck, I'm almost I'm almost 52. I, I I roll with the changes, bro. I roll with the I know I'm older. You made me feel like I'm his dad. He said that shit. Like it was like a dig, Wyatt, without being a dig. You know what I mean? He said that shit like I'm old and shit, you know? Made me feel, made me feel <laughs> but I mean, but honestly, if if you take a top three, I would say sound no. I think I gotta go mm, maybe Allison Chains over Soundgarden. Maybe I, I, yeah, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, and then Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. Nah, the third one. Well, shit, man, Tool's Tool, bro. Tool. I mean, there is nobody that can compare to Tool. Nobody. No. Nobody. No. Nobody. I, I mean, God, Jambi, 
dude. I listened to that <laughs> while I was working out the other day. Oh, that it just that that down, da, 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 da. and that that that, that with the wah wah that wow wow yeah. wow yeah. I'll send you. I'll send you. A, I'll send you a couple links, man, from the show. They they have ne- and they continue to sound. See, I I first saw them and I think it was ninety five. Yeah. I saw them at Lollapalooza, and I didn't know who the fuck they were. We went to see Snoop Dogg. And we took a bunch of acid over at Deer Creek, and we went to see Snoop, and he was horrible. I mean, it was bad, dude. It was, you know, that's always been my problem with hip-hop. It doesn't really translate to a live show. No, it does. It never has. I, I think it it's better has. now. It's better now. Yes. And I think LL killed it on MP- MTV Unplugged. LL killed it, and they found a way to make it better live. But it, that's one thing bad about hip hop; it never translates live. And, they, and and it would kill them to know that actually country artists are the best live of almost anybody because country artists you always hear their every word. Yep. Even live, you always hear every word, and it's clear. And you, here's something you'll never hear on a country artist: what? You never hear. That's a, dude, that's that great Steve Harvey in Kings of Comedy where he's talking about why he hates rappers. He's like, five motherfucking temptations, <laughs> one mic. Now they're done. We can't understand what one of your asses is saying. Now they gave everyone a mic. True, 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 true. <laughs> Man. I saw him. So he comes out, and I remember I was with a girl who's still a friend of mine, and we were tripping on acid, and Maynard comes out, and his whole face was painted blue like a geisha girl, you know, the, yeah. the, and he, he was butt naked with some granny panties. Yeah. Uh, remember the, remember that Van Damme movie kickboxer? Yes. Who remember the guy he fights with the giant braided ponytail, but the bald head. Yes. Yeah. He was like that. And he walked out and we were like, what the fuck? And the minute he, I will never forget in my life. The minute he opened his mouth and I heard the first lick of tool, I was like, holy Fuck. And I've been in that army ever since, man. They are they are un, unparalleled in my view. There's nothing better than not knowing a group and seeing them live and you go, who are they? I've got to get them. I, I felt the same way about Public Enemy when I saw them in 1980. Oh. I think 88, the, the summer of 88 going into 89. I remember, he, or maybe 89, going into- Do the right thing summer. You know what? Check us out. It was JJ Fad, EPMD, Will Smith and G- DJ Jazzy Jeff, uh, and fucking and and Public Enemy and Run DMC closed it out. That was one of the greatest shows ever. Run DMC and Public Enemy. Those two might as well have just been the, the two artists there. I mean, Will Smith was good, but they, I never really got into them. But man, fuck when Public Enemy came out with the. The sirens, yeah. war sirens, dude. You were like, "Who the fuck is this?" And they were so just like you had to watch what they were doing. They had Professor yes. Griff and the S1Ws, dude. I mean, yeah. When you see a group live and you don't know who they are, and from the moment they got to grab you, and they fucking grabbed you. Yeah, cause the uh, and look, man, I don't hate on Will Smith. I mean, but when you listen, it's like, you know, I used to love Eddie Murphy, and then I saw Richard Pryor as a young man, and I go, oh, and I liked Will Smith. And then I heard Rakim and was like, oh, move the crowd is summertime. Bingo. Well, l- listen to what daddy has to say. I felt the same way because I grew up, I grew up, I heard Richard Pryor, when we get those HBO free weekends, I don't know if you had that HBO free weekend and they, and they put all the good shit on, you know, it's kind of like when your parents yeah, have yeah, yeah, yeah. visitors come out, they put all the good, the, the good uh, civil war out. So we watched Richard Pryor. 
And I'm like, okay, he's good. But I was young, but I, I got him, but I didn't get him. So when I, th- when I went to junior college, 13th grade, I started listening to Eddie Murphy, right? And Eddie Murphy, oh, he was a shit. And then we listened to Richard Pryor, and then it made sense. Like, ah. Yes. So Richard, so Eddie Murphy bought me back to Richard, and I understood him. So that way, I still appreciate Eddie, and he's still great. But, man, what Richard Pryor did. I mean, every time I pass, I'm in Long Beach, and I pass that auditorium where he performs. Oh, oh, dude. dude I, I still, to this day, go, Same. fuck. I mean, I, I, I never say never. I keep my mind limitless. But, man, I go, I could never fucking. What he did was so fucking magical in that day. Well, and that's, that's the thing, man, is that, you know, he was the first. Yeah. So there'll never be anyone that supplants him because as much as, you know, I, look, I love, love, love Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. I like generally his music just a little bit better than Hendrix. Yeah. But, you know, Hendrix was first. Yeah. So you can't really say that Stevie Ray Vaughan is a better guitarist than Jimmy. You know what I mean? Just because he was the first. So yeah. we the, the, like we have a new Mount Rushmore, but I feel like Richard Pryor, man, is just. And to Eddie's credit, you know, people have shit on him for quote unquote stealing Richard Pryor's act. You know how you know how old he was when he did fucking Delirious? A ni- nineteen, right? Nineteen. 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 He admitted it. He's like, I I took Richard Pryor's act, man. I didn't. It was me and you know, Mike or uh, Robert Townsend. Yeah. Wrote wrote. They sat down and wrote it. He was honest. I mean, what point of view? Eddie Murphy never even as great as he was. We never even saw him with a fully formed adult comic point of view. Yes. That guy could have been. Well, Raw he did. I think Raw he did because he was upset. And I actually, I like Raw. Well, that's true. I like Raw because he he was kind of upset with life and you could tell, but it was, it was biting and it was still funny. And they tried to, and they tried to paint him as misogynistic and everything, but it was like, no. He's funny. What he did in Raw was underrated, what he did with Raw. Right, because that was the first time you, as a young man when he starts seeing shit like when half my money. Yes. Like, that's one of the first things a young man about, like, the pain of a divorce and losing your shit. You're right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Versus, so- you know, it was, uh, you know, Delirious was Ice Cream Man and Goonie Goo Goo and fucking all that shit, which is funny, but it was 19. Fun. But, man, but, yeah, but Raw was just him as an adult and him having yeah. to deal. Like you said, the first time he's seen a man's point of view with that, I got to give you half my shit and I'm the one that worked for it. I'm the one that worked for it, but I got to give you half my shit. He goes, you were just on a zebra last month. They go, I, Eddie, I want half, Eddie. The fuck you, man. I mean, it Dude, was this bush, good. bitch. Yeah, <laughs> it's the best part where he said, "I gotta, I gotta find someone in the jungle because they ain't got no pockets." Yeah. <laughs> that was classic, man. That was that was classic, man. You know what I'm gonna give you credit for, which I don't think anybody's gonna remember. But you did. Correct me if I'm wrong. You did. Is it Mucho Taliento on uh, Spanish TV? And yeah. you did. You did comedy in full in fluent Spanish. And I mean, that was draw dropping, dude. It wasn't like you were stumbling through it like I do sometimes when I'm trying to talk to the cleaning lady at LA Fitness. Like, you know, I'm a, hey, you know, come estas. And she starts talking, oh, here we go. But you did a fluent. Where did that come about, dude? Um, well, it's, it's funny you mention that because we, before COVID, we'd started, I'd started producing the, sh- the Spanish shows at the Ice House, and we were selling out the main room every single time and then COVID hit and the ice house closed. The bus family bought the ice house and they gutted it, but it it was desperately, desperately needed a redo. So they're going to reopen in April, but I just started booking my next Spanish show yesterday. 
Um, so I was doing Operation Comedy and I'd, I'd met some Latino cats around here and I was, exp I was explaining to them, I'm like, hey, I, I think I'm going to do uh, Spanish stand-up. And I don't know if they just didn't believe me or just couldn't put two and two together, well, but no. it was just sort of, it was because just sort of like, like you. Um, yeah, because yeah, you yeah, yeah. And it was just like, all right, but not only do I speak Spanish fluently, I speak Spanish like a Mexican because I lived in Mexico. Ma so yeah, Monterey, I just right? was like, Monterey, do what? Right? Was it Monterey? No, San Luis Potosí. Okay. okay. So, but I went to grad school in Spain. Okay. Wow. The original Mexico. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you talk to them fucking white ass imperialist shithead in fucking Spain. Always fuck with me, call me saying I spoke dirty peasant Spanish. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. A, yeah. A different level of racism. Yeah. Like, like a royalty type of racism. Yeah. Like, but anyway, um, nobody, nobody was believing me, man. So I just said, you know what? Fuck it. I'll go on this show, the Mexican version of America's Got Talent. And they'd never seen a, they'd never seen a white dude on the show. They'd never seen a stand-up comic. So at first, their, their jaws were just sort nobody knew what the fuck to make of it. They're like, and they didn't even give the crowd a heads up. You don't get a warm-up act. Yeah. You follow a, you follow like a juggler and a karaoke motherfucker yeah. and then I just went on and did my thing, and it, they voted me to the next round, and made, I made it to the fucking finals, man. Dude, I, that was so impressive, dude. That's what I love about Thank you, man. You, you can't pigeonhole you, you know what I mean? But it's the same way, like you said, same way about me. If you didn't know me, you would know that I'm a fucking 80s metalhead. Or you know, or I or I or I know my metal. I mean, you, I mean, which I don't blame people. You know what I mean? They go, yeah, yeah. right. And I go, you have no fucking clue how much None. I know my fucking metal. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's the truth, though. I, I get it. But that's but that's why I love it. You, we can step outside the box, but still be that's who you are. It's not you trying to be this. That's just who you are. That's what you gravitated toward. And right, like, and that's and and that's why you know it. You know, it's not like that's why Mexicans dig me. It's not like I'm some wannabe. It's yes, like you're authentic. This is just. I lived, yeah, this is my life. I lived in Mexico in, in another life. I was a language teacher. That's what I studied for, you know, fuck eight years. I was a, you know, did student teaching, taught high school, then, you know, went to IU PUI and taught there for four years. So I was an actual Spanish professor. And so I learned, so you'll appreciate this. When, when I first, you know, because you remember my first three years in stand up, I was, they were, Dave Stroop was only booking me with black headliners. Yes. You opened up for Guy Tory for a long time. For a long time. Yeah. And then I started like, you know, DL and Witherspoon and Ari Spears. And I started working with all these guys because word gets out that there's this white dude who won't step on any of your jokes because he, he doesn't have any of the same life experiences that you do. So you don't have to worry about that. Right. So I learned early on. At first, I was terrified. But then I realized like, oh, shit, the bar's so low that this is a huge advantage for me because yeah. it's I'm not being held to the standard of a black comedian. I'm being held to the standard of all the white people they've met in their lives. So if I just don't shit myself and trip over the mic stand, I'm going to crush. Yeah. It's the same thing with Latinos, man. When I walk out and start speaking Spanish, they're just, they lose their fucking minds, man. They're like, cause they're, they're the opposite of the French. All right. If you make a, the slightest effort to speak Spanish to a Mexican, yeah. they they are so uh, they're they're my favorite people, man. Yeah. They're so appreciative. And, yes. the, you know, the French, you know, you could say, you know, speak in, you know, 10 minutes of poetic sonnets. And at the end, a Parisian would be like, actually, it's a predicate nominative. You should say I instead of we You'd be like, you know, man, fuck you. Fuck, Frank. <laughs> fuck cognac. You cunts. <laughs>
sorry ass motherfuckers. <laughs> Both my parents were French teachers, so I, I don't. Well, tell me how you really feel though, Stites. Quit holding back, bro. I mean, LA's made you soft. Tell me how you really feel, bro. I remember my dad, my dad was trying, so my whole family speaks French, even my sister, right? Yeah. And my dad wanted me to take French. I remember in eighth grade having this conversation with him, man. Like I was ready to fight my dad because I was like, I remember literally saying, he's like, it's gotta be French. It's gotta be French. Why do you want to take Spanish? So I'm like, cause there ain't no French bitches in Indiana, dad. <laughs> there ain't but six Mexicans, but at least that's six. If I fuck one of them, that's worth it. Fuck man. Is that not Trey Magnifique? <laughs> Why can't you be here, bro? God, I damn. miss conversations like this. This is what I need. I got nobody here. Just me now. We had some good times, man. We did, like, remember that gig on New Year's Eve at uh, the Virginia Beach Funny Bone? Fuck. Oh, that, that was a monster. Me, that was a you, monster. Me, you, Todd McComas, uh, uh, Michael Malone. Yeah. Oh, but there was, no, no, no. That was a different one. Okay, that okay. was an Operation okay. Comedy show. There was that young lady. There was that girl who was a remember because we went out and had breakfast. Yes. Oh, I, I think I, it, yeah, the the redhead, the redhead. Yes, pa Patterson. Yes. She was from Alabama yes. originally. She's from Alabama originally. Yes. Yeah. 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 And she'd never done a rowdy black room. Yes. <laughs> she'd never done. Well, I'll put you like this. She'd never done a Friday night late urban show. Yes. 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 And yes. remember, we could tell that the natives were restless. You. Hearing them fucking hen, hen bottles dropping on the floor and shit, the glass rattling on, I'm like, oh shit. You already knew, because you were 20 years ahead of me already in the game. And I remember you just like, like Rocky, and you're like, okay, fucking here we go. And that poor girl went out, she just did not have that aggressive gear to get out. And it was, yeah. this is a sweetheart though, wonderful Yeah, no, she was great, she was great. Just, it was like, it was like, no, don't do not do this to her, no. It's tough, man, it's, yeah, it's tough. Like, it's, like somebody, it's like somebody's first fight and they go fight Anderson Silva. Like, 19, 1998 Anderson Silva, like, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's a good time. We did, uh, we did, uh, you know, I got, I got a quick, it's not the greatest, but I got Vince Morris story, so I took, I took Vince to the, uh, so he wouldn't even remember this, but the first time I ever sold merch in my life, Vince Morris was the one who told me, he goes, how much are you selling them t-shirts for, man? He goes, he goes that, I opened for him at the Toledo Funny Bar. Yeah. He said, how much is one of them shirts? And I said, I, I, fuck, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm 10 bucks, five bucks, whatever they give me. And he's like, man, fuck that shit. He was like, it's $20, end of story. A shirt at a show is $20. People understand that you ain't making a lot of money. You're going to need money. Just tell them it's $20. Yeah. That was the first thing. Second thing is like, you know, when you don't really know a black person yeah. and you're, you're, you want to hang, you want to make sure that you're like, you got the right kind of music in the car. Cause we have a long drive. Yes. You know, we, you know, so anyway, he gets in the car and you know, the song, um, um, Dare Hall and John Oates, I can't go for that. Yes. Which well, a jam, so I get in. That bass so line, that bass line, yeah. that song is kicking. Yes. So we get in the car, and uh, uh, Vince and I are talking a little bit, and I start the car. We my go, we go to drive off, and that song comes on, and in my head, I'm like, man, ain't no fucking black dude my age want to hear this bullshit. So I'm like trying to change it to public enemy. He literally slapped my hand. <laughs> And he starts, he's like, whoa, 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 man. I was like, oh shit, see? You never know. You never know. Dude, you never Don't know. pander, motherfucker. Just be yourself. Hey, real quick before I got here, my Vince Morris story is we had to travel. We went to the airport. We had to go travel three hours to this gig, right? 
So, and dude, I'm rocking out. I got my Motley crew. I got my DC, whatever, right? Just rocking. Then son say a word. He's kind of halfway asleep, whatever. We stop to get gas. No word. I'm just rocking the heavy shit out, right? <clears throat> and I'm talking just fucking heavy. Just, yeah, rock and roll. And I swear to God, man, Vince is kind of halfway asleep. And I switched to a, a country station. And in the first, and on that, he goes, come on, man. And went back to sleep. And I, and I, turned, and I changed the station. That's what you said. He goes, come on, man. And that's all he did. And I went back to sleep. <laughs> That's my Mitz Forest story, brother. That's my Mitz Forest story. Bro, I can talk to you for fucking ever. I miss this shit. It's what I don't have here. I miss you, brother. I miss you. I know, you. man. I know. We should we should do this again, though, for sure. Dude, we, uh, this, this is, is definitely, part, definitely a part two. Yeah, and don't, and don't drink the night before, bro. You know? Don't uh, drink the night before. Yeah, I, I can't. Self discipline. Self discipline. Look what your daddy does. Self discipline, bro. Self discipline. That's where it gets you along. Yeah, but you ain't got no titties, man. I can't be disciplined <laughs> for something that don't involve, you know, two wheels or titties. <laughs> That's why you're my favorite, bro. You straight old school. <laughs> Fuck PC. That's what I say, man. Hey, when's the next uh, operational comedy coming? Next operational comedy. Uh, uh, we haven't announced it yet, but the the Los Angeles Fleet Week is this huge thing the Navy does okay. on this World War II battleship in San Pedro. Uh -huh. It's going to be Wednesday, May 25th. The uh, Operation Comedy is going to be the kickoff event for all of Navy Fleet Week in Los Angeles this year. Is there, it's going to be fucking. Is there a website? So doing, is there a website? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, yeah, it's just any, anywhere online. Operation Comedy. That's all the social media, all that shit, man. Got you, brother. Man, dude, it was great getting in touch with you. Great talking to you. Great shooting this shit with you. I fucking miss this. I don't have this shit at all here, man. It's just me and just fucking doing this. That's why, I was, man, it's good to talk. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Another part two coming up. I mean that, bro. A part two all coming right. up, man. I love you, brother. I'll love you too, man. man. I gotta get out of here. Hold on for a second, man. You ain't going to hold on. Thanks for watching, guys. Me, uh, look up at John Stice One. John Stice, the number one on uh, Instagram, man. This is my dude right here. He'll make you laugh. Go uh, support Operation Comedy. And until then, I'm BT. You know what we say about the time. You know the word. Peace.